Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, you can build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles will show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, you just swap them out for more new-to-use styles. Since having kids, I have kind of lost my personal style and I'm using Armoire to help me find it again while trying out different brands and styles without having to add more physical stuff to my wardrobe. And I have a few events that are coming up that I know I am going to want some fancier items to wear than the items that I own. And I don't really want to go shopping for items that are going to sit in my closet without being worn after that one day. I hate the waste that that creates and I love that Armoire allows you to rent high quality designer clothing for any occasion and then send it back. I'm just really grateful that I have Armoire to help me dress for the occasion without having to add something to my closet permanently that I know I'm only gonna be wearing once. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armwire.style slash minimalish. That's armwire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash minimalish to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try armwire today. You're listening to Minimalish, a podcast where we talk about simplifying our stuff, our lives, our motherhood, all in a realistic way so that we can make room for what matters. We're not here for perfectly tidy homes or seeing how much we can possibly declutter. We're here for living with less. Realistically, it's going to look different for all of us, but we're not really focused on how our version of minimalism looks anyways. We're focused on how it feels. I'm your host, Desiree. I'm a mom to two and on my own journey of living with a little less clutter so I can have more space for an intentional life. I'm no expert and I like to think of this as a corner of the internet where we're learning and growing together. So let's walk towards a more simple and intentional life. Here's this week's episode. Welcome back to Minimalish. Today I am bringing you a Q&A. I want to do Q&As kind of quarterly this year. I just think they're fun. Um, I like to record them. I like to get your questions. So if you do have a question that you want me to answer on the show, it can be about anything. It doesn't just have to be about minimalism, but you can always send me an email, hi at DesireAndries.com, and I kind of compile those questions throughout the quarter. I also put question boxes on Instagram. Today is going to be a little bit different. I usually try to answer like four or so questions Today, I'm only going to answer two because one of them is just a big one. It's kind of a long story. (laughs) It's a long answer. So I'm just answering two of them. And then I'm going to do kind of a quick something I am simplifying, something I'm loving at the end, which is when I have guest episodes, as you know, if you listen, I always have my guests answer those questions. So I'm just going to answer them today for fun since they are just quick, simple answers so that this episode doesn't go way too long. Side note, there is construction happening outside of my house while I record this, so I'm hoping that that noise does not show up in the background here, but this is the time I have to record this, so I'm gonna keep going and hope for the best. 
Okay, so let's dive right in to this Q&A. Again, I have two questions. The first one, this one was a fun one to answer because I kind of had to reflect through my different stages of parenting so far in my five and a half years of parenting. But um, it says, how to get things done with little ones? That was the question. So how do we get things done with little ones? And I do have some tips on this, but before I get to them, I want to say that everyone's situation is different. Every kid is different. Plus, every stage comes with different demands and a different level of attention that our kids want or need from us. So these tips may be helpful to you. They may not be. But overall, I'm going to just go through some different things that I have seen help us in different stages of parenting. So I feel like I have parented through all those little years, like they say the kind of little kid years stop around age five. So at that point, your kids are more independent and either help you with chores or you're able to get things done when they're around. But what about those little years? So this goes for every stage. If you're feeling a lot of pressure, like you need to get a ton of stuff done every single day, whether you're home with little kids all day or you are going to a full-time job and coming home at the end of the day to take care of your little ones. Taking care of little kids is a lot. So let go of some of the pressure. Where is the pressure coming from that you're feeling like you need to get a lot of things done? Like, of course, we do have to get things done. We all have things we have to get done. But if you feel a pressure to constantly keep up with your house and get perfect all the time or get close to that and get a massive list checked off every single day, where is that pressure coming from? It might be unrealistic and it might drive you crazy. So I think that is one of the first things I had to learn is just you don't have to get a ton done every day when you have little kids. You're already doing a lot. Just it's a season where you are kind of full on needed by someone else. And it's just a lot already in itself. So wanted to encourage you in that way. However, we do all have to get things done, right? So here are some tips I have for kind of the different stages. When it comes to the baby phase, first of all, if you are in the newborn phase, you should just rest as much as possible. And if your home is a disaster, then that is normal. You should accept help as much as possible. So I'm not even going to go there because getting things done with a newborn, I don't know, if you just gave birth to a child within the past three months, give yourself all the grace and all the rest and that should be your to-do list as much as possible. I know not all of us can do that, but I'm just saying if that is possible for you, then that should be what you're trying to get done. It's just rest, taking care of a baby, taking care of your other children if you have them. And that's it. But getting things done beyond that in the baby phase when your baby's getting a little bit older, baby wearing has always been helpful for me or just getting things done during nap time when possible. Of course, this is the phase where I think I let go the most and just know that nap time, like a lot of times I need to rest during that time. So you might need the rest and that is good. You should rest. Um, Sometimes like during those nap times, if I do know I need to get things done, but I also feel like I need rest, I'll try to pick something that is, does not take up a lot of my energy, like ordering groceries on my phone or um, doing some kind of like 
I don't know, paying bills, something I can do from the couch. (laughs) So pick and choose, I guess, what you are doing when as well. As my baby has gotten older right now, she's almost one, but in the past few months, this has kind of worked for us. Um, She will crawl around and follow me around while I vacuum or mop. And so I will just, if I need to do something quick like that, like it might be a very quick vacuum if I'm seeing dust balls, (laughs) I don't know, floating on my floor, or just a quick mop with just some water if I need to mop something up or wipe something up. Of course, I'm not going to use chemicals while she's following me around, but just she'll hang out on the dishwasher, just like pulling herself up, um, playing in the lower kitchen drawers, which I typically kind of a parenting hack that I learned from the beginning is to put like Tupperware or something that is baby friendly in those bottom drawers so that they are allowed to kind of open them and play in them. So I'll just throw measuring cups on the ground for her, something for her to play with while I'm doing like kitchen kitchen chores. So those things have been helpful with a baby. I do get things done with her. She is also self-entertained. Sometimes I'll throw her in her pack and play with like some of her favorite toys if I really need to get something pressing done. So those are just a few tips that I use so that I can get small, quick chores or other things that don't take a lot of time done with a baby. Otherwise, I utilize her nap times, of course, now that she has longer naps. All right, with a toddler, I think this is probably the hardest phase in my opinion, um, or in my experience, but we will see as I have two kids now, they are very different. So who knows what it will be like with Juna, but I feel like the toddler phase is really hard for a lot of parents. And what I have seen with my first child is that toddlers just want to be with you. So she would always want to be right on top of me. So again, baby wearing or toddler wearing can help. Um, when they're younger toddlers and they're not like breaking your back (laughs) if you're trying to wear them and do cleaning, um, you know, vacuuming, whatever it might be, or doing something in the kitchen. But something else that worked as she got into the toddler phase where she could really stand on her own, move around, walk, things like that, and be safe in like a kitchen helper stool, we used one of those. And that was great. Having one of those kitchen helper stools, she would stand at the countertop with me. Um, If I was doing dishes, she could play in the water while I was doing them or play in the sink, the other side of the sink while I was just trying to rinse off dishes in one side. Um, Another thing I would do was give her like a wet rag with just water so she could wipe things down while I was trying to do other chores. Um, Getting the kid-sized little play mops and vacuums, those have always been great for us. I think it's Love Every has like a spray mop that actually sprays. And my older child will still use that to this day to just mop around while I'm mopping. So bring them along with you. I think that is my biggest and best tip for that stage because they are, they want to be with you. They want to be involved. And really that is play for them most of the time is if you involve them in whatever you're doing, whatever chores you're doing, then they're learning from you, but they're also playing. That's fun for them. Um, another big tip for this phase if is just something that would will entertain them while I would be doing kitchen chores or whatever else in that area of the house. I would put a bowl of water on the kitchen floor with towels under it, of course, unless you want like a pool on your floor. Um, and I would give her her little like play animals, 
figurines or just like measuring cups any kind of sensory fun things and she would like give her little animals a bath in that water or just play with the water with measuring cups so anything like that anything sensory that is easy cleanup because obviously water is going to be easy cleanup while you're cleaning you don't want to give them a bit of sensory rice or something when you're trying to clean floors or trying to get things tidied up but that always entertained her for a longer period of time and kept her kind of in the same area as I was trying to get things done. And then what I think are kind of the end of the little kid years and the phase that I am almost on the way out of, which is crazy, is the four to five year old stage. This stage has been harder for me than I expected when it comes to getting things done. My five-year-old is kind of at the end of this, so I would say it's getting much easier. But when she was four, early five, She's super social and she always wants to be engaging with you So, um, and engaging with me, engaging with whoever's around. So with that, if I would tell her that I'm going to do some chores, I'm going to clean up, and if that was like not what she wanted to do or if I didn't phrase it in a way that like we're going to do this together, come help me, it's time to do some chores, it would not go well. So I have kind of teetered between having her help Um, She is very good at helping me clean. I mean, she can clean up and tidy up a room faster than I can when she's in the right mood to do so. But sometimes it looks like having her help me, and a lot of times it does, and I will just give her a spray bottle of water and she'll go around and wipe things down. Other times it has looked like utilizing screen time or just making sure she's, she's engaged in some kind of play that is going to keep her attention longer, things that she loves to do, like crafting, drawing, Play-Doh. Like if I have to do something on my computer, I sit her down next to me and she does crafts, that kind of thing. So these are my experiences. I think the more that you can get them involved with you, the better. Of course, not all tasks that you need to get done are going to work that way. So just do the best you can and utilize help as much as you can. At any stage, remember that it is okay and very valid to ask for help. I want to take a quick break to thank the sponsor that is making today's episode possible. Think about someone who has changed your life for the better. I think we all could use some of those people in our lives who are just impactful and change our lives. How incredible would it be if your company could find more of those life-changing people right when you need them. Indeed is here to help you with that. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. You don't have to spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all on Indeed. You can find top talent fast with their suite of powerful hiring tools like matching, assessments, and virtual interviews. I really love Indeed because it makes hiring all in one place easy, especially with the Indeed matching. When you invite candidates to apply through Instant Match, they are three times more likely to apply to your job than candidates who only see it in search, according to US Indeed data. Join over 3 million businesses worldwide using Indeed to hire great talent fast. Indeed knows that when you're growing your own business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why with Indeed, you only pay for quality applications that match your must-have job requirements. Visit indeed.com slash minimalish to start hiring now. Go to indeed.com slash minimalish, indeed.com slash minimalish. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Okay, so I told you that these two questions were going to be longer answers, and that's why I chose to do only two questions today. The second one is a big one and a longer answer than even the first one, but I hope you got some helpful tips from that first one. This one is more of a personal question because a big question that I keep getting this time around is, why did you move? I've gotten this question quite a few times of just, are you going to share a little bit more about why you moved? Like I... I remember you moving just a couple of years ago. So if you have been following along for a while, then you did see that we just did move over a little over two years ago. That's a pretty quick turnaround to like buy and live in and sell a house. For most people, they stay in a home a little bit longer than that probably. But what you probably didn't know or didn't see because it was before I started the podcast and started sharing things online is that we have actually owned now this is our fourth house that we've owned and we have moved kind of within like the little bit over two year time frame every single time now we did not intentionally do that it is not fun for us to move like this is not a hobby of ours to buy and sell homes it just kind of has happened that way so to give you kind of a background our first move we were only in that home for about two years because we decided to move back near family just sooner than we expected. We were living in Virginia. We're both from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So we decided to move back and that's why we moved that first time. Our second move, we were in a two bedroom, very small home. I talked about downsizing a lot at the time because we went from a four bedroom to a two bedroom home. And we knew that that home was probably short term for us. We were thinking maybe we'd build an addition or maybe we would move. We didn't know which one we were going to do. But while we really enjoyed the small space as a family of three, we knew we wanted one more bedroom if we were going to expand our family. Of course, you can live with a two-bedroom home and in a two-bedroom home or even smaller with a family of four. But just for us, that's what we wanted. So we didn't know how long we'd be in that house. But when COVID market the COVID market came around and the rates were really low we decided to start looking and we kind of caught the beginning of that market before things got crazy out of hand with the housing prices but things were crazy when we were looking and houses were going off the market so fast we were surprised that we got an offer accepted on a home right away and we knew when we were looking for homes we wanted to be in the school district my husband was in um, he the district he teaches in so we found a home there and we put an offer in and we got it accepted and then our house sold extremely fast or went under contract extremely fast but then we had the home inspection on the house we were going to buy and it didn't go well and the people did not want to work with us. They did. They just wanted to sell the home as is, but we didn't know that. So we had to back out of that and we had our home under contract. So we were kind of in a crunch. We didn't want to back out of that. We knew we did want to move. We were in a crunch to find something. We found the home that we just moved out of. It was not in the school district we were hoping to be in, but it was fine. It was close by and it had a lot of features that we were looking for. We wanted a little bit more space, more land outdoors, and we had that there, and it had three bedrooms. It was still smaller. I mean, it wasn't that much bigger than the house that we had moved out of, but it did have the additional bedroom, and it felt 
a lot more spacious to us and we didn't need a lot of space. We like to have a house where we are going to utilize every inch of space. So we were happy with that. And we did love that house. We thought we'd be there for a long time. But have you ever just felt like, I don't know, something is not right? Like I had that feeling the whole time we were in that house. I don't know if it was intuition or what. And I convinced myself out of it so that I could enjoy and be present there most of the time. But a lot of times I also felt, I don't know, unsettled, uneasy. And silly little things kept happening the whole time we were there as well. And some of them were big things. I don't want to call them silly little things. Like some of them were a little traumatizing. Like the time we got attacked, like full on attacked by yellow jackets in our yard. My older daughter got stung over 20 times and I was just newly pregnant at the time and got stung quite a few times as well. And my husband who kind of like rescued us from the situation also got stung a few times. It was really scary and it took kind of the part of the house we loved the most, which was that big yard, kind of took that from us for a while because I don't know, I was personally a little bit traumatized by it and Gemma was too. A tree fell on our garage and we like endured a summer of a lot of crazy storms where we were just afraid it was going to happen again. And I know that is normal home ownership stuff. We had owned two homes before that. So we weren't new to that idea that, you know, little things go wrong, but it was just these little things that added up that were a progression of feeling more and more anxious in that home and disconnected from it for me. I also had never fully moved, which sounds weird. But what I mean by that is we were about 25 minutes from our home before that. And the home we were in, the two-bedroom home that we moved out of, was right in the same neighborhood as my family and not just my parents, but other family members as well. It's a small town that a lot of my family lives in. Um, When we moved, since we had only moved about 25 minutes away, I found myself constantly driving back to where we moved from. And 25-minute drive can be nothing for someone, but for me, it was a lot because I was just kind of like, why did we move if I'm constantly coming back here? I am constantly driving 25 minutes with a kid, and then once I had Juna with a baby as well, and it just felt a little bit chaotic. I had chosen that because I chose to send Gemma to preschool, more so in the town that we had lived in before, because I felt comfortable with that preschool. I knew the people who ran that preschool. All of my childcare that I felt comfortable with was here. And when we moved, I kind of told myself, okay, I'm going to have to find like a daycare or childcare out here. Because at the time I was working full time, I'm going to send her to preschool out there. And that's what I told myself. But when it really came down to the time to do so, I wanted to go with what I was comfortable with. So I kept driving 25 minutes back and forth, back and forth. And again, that's nothing for some people. It is for me, when we lived in Virginia, I that was my commute to work and it didn't feel like much of anything. But in between, we had lived right near family, right near all our childcare, right near the convenience of everything. So that 25 minute drive, I don't know, it just got to me. Please don't judge me for that if you have like a much longer drive. It just was not working great for us. But that was not the main reason we moved. We weren't just going to up and move in two years for that. It was kind of on my mind like, okay, well, eventually we'll get to like the elementary school years and we will be fine because everything will be close by. 
will be in this district and I will have to kind of lay (laughs) our roots here rather than continually driving 25 minutes for the comfort of what I already know. So we weren't going to move because of that, but the big kicker was a tax reassessment. And I don't know if this is happening everywhere, but it is happening in Pennsylvania, especially in Western PA um, over the past couple of years because all of the real estate prices and home values went up so fast during the COVID market. A lot of homes, and I, I know people who bought during that time that this has happened to as well, a lot of homes are getting reassessed with their taxes. So the taxes are going up. And for us, there was just like a huge discrepancy between what we expected to pay and what we were then going to have to pay. And we knew that this can happen. Like we know that taxes go up as property values go up, but it wasn't caught that our taxes were so low and they could go up so much higher. So that was our also our first experience with a tax reassessment. We had not experienced that in our past couple of moves, but this one, again, it was just such a jump in what we expected to pay. And it's not that we couldn't pay it, We had to kind of come to this decision of, okay, here's what we expected (laughs) to pay with taxes on this house and just pay for our mortgage. And here is what we will actually be paying a couple years later. Is this really where we want to be? Like, do we really want to be in this house? Do we really want to pay this much for this house? And we had to, we had to come to that conclusion. And the conclusion was, no, we don't. So we just didn't want to live a lifestyle where we both had to work full time and where I couldn't step back because I had just I had just made the decision I had just made the decision to step away from my full-time teaching job and do the podcast as my work so that I could be home and more flexible with my kids and then this happened so we just felt like okay We don't think we've made the wrong decision by stepping back, allowing me to step back from a full-time job in this season, but we do feel like we are just supposed to move at this point. Crazy enough, the very first home that we walked into when we made that decision, it was like the next day. We were like, we're going to get this rolling. We're going to look at homes. We knew that that home was the one we wanted, this home that we are in now. We knew it. Um, We walked into it and... It was very outdated. There were things that needed done, some flooring that needed replaced. So we knew that there was work ahead of us if we moved into this house. But we just felt that this this was it. This was the house, the first house we walked into. That had never happened before when looking for homes. And we got under contract on this home. And then it took us so long to sell our home. It took 60 plus days. And I guess that is somewhat average in some areas. But we lived in a very popular area, like homes go quickly. We don't know why it took so long. But even though it took us so long, the owners of this home that we're in now, they kept extending our contract for us. They were so great to work with. They really wanted us to have this home and to be able to raise our family in this home. Because the cutest story is that the people who live here before us, who lived here before us, they lived here for 70 years. They maybe more than that, maybe a little less, but like that's my average guess. Um, and they raised six kids here. They're still they're still alive. They just are no longer living in this home. But um, it's just really sweet to know that there was a lot of love 
in these walls of this house for so many years before us. And this house already feels like home. So even though it was a really stressful situation to decide to up and move and the circumstances in which we had to do that and the choice that we had to make and just like even looking back where there's part of me sometimes that I I wish we never moved back in 2020. Like I wish we never kind of made the decision to move because we were in a spot where we kind of had to find a home and we were in a market where things were crazy and we just felt the pressure to to just find a home and even though we did love that home that we were in it wasn't in the spot that we wanted to be in and in the district we wanted to be in so that house it it ended up being a point of stress for us in so many ways but if we didn't move there I try to think of the fact that like we would have we would have moved we were in the mindset that we were going to move with the low rates with COVID so I can't go back and change things and while I struggled in that house a lot because I just didn't ever feel settled I think maybe it just was because it was temporary. I wasn't supposed to feel settled there. And even though I moved in with a mindset of like, okay, this is our home. Like we are staying here. I just wasn't supposed to actually feel that way. I see that now. And I believe that God wanted something else for us and he had something else for us. It just took some time. And it was still a good two years in that home. Again, we we did love that home. We brought our second daughter home there. And I know it's going to be a great, beautiful home for the people that it is meant for. So now that I've told you what I feel like is a really long story (laughs) and what felt like a really long season for us, I mean, the whole process from figuring out we were going to put our home on the market to preparing to move to the selling process and all of the showings, I wish I would have counted how many showings because it was so many showings. And moving and now settling in and just doing things that needed to be done on this house before we could truly settle in. I just want to encourage you that seasons of waiting are really hard. And whether or not the season that I'm talking about sounds like, oh, it's easy compared to your season of waiting or your season of waiting seems easy compared to what someone else might be going through, all all hard seasons are valid. Like you don't have to compare your hard to someone else's hard. When we are going through a season of waiting, a season where we feel unsettled, it is hard. So if you're in one, whether it deals with a home or something entirely different, I truly believe and I have seen that there really are better things ahead. And I want to encourage you in that, even though it's really hard to see it in the moment, it's really hard to have faith in that and believe that that's true. But I learned something in that season of waiting that I think is so valuable I heard someone say it, and I can't remember where I heard it, but I heard someone say that the best thing to do in a season of living through the unknown is to focus on what is right in front of you. Focus on something you can tangibly do. Focus on basically like the next right thing. And being present in what you can control is basically how I sum it up to myself in my brain. It's not a revolutionary idea, but it is a really good one and a really important reminder. Our thoughts will go to the stressful thing that we are experiencing. If we're living through some kind of unknown circumstance, our thoughts will like live in that unknown and and try to figure it out and try to control the uncontrollable when there's nothing we can do in most cases until 
things work themselves out. Like there's often nothing we can actually physically do when we're in those unknown seasons, when we're waiting on something. So being present in what you can control helps to get your focus off of something that is literally pointless to be ruminating over, over and over again. So instead, let's shift our thoughts to just living as fully as we can, even in stressful seasons of waiting, even in the really hard seasons of waiting, doing the things that need to be done, taking care of and being with the people who are right in front of us, turning our thoughts to that makes it a bit easier to endure and makes it a season that we can still kind of cherish in the end instead of just feeling so frustrated and so stressed out in every single minute, which believe me, there were many moments where I felt that. And if you're wondering, yes, we do live now like right in the area we, not in the area we wanted to move into before, but in the area where I think we're supposed to be and really close to family and help and all of the things that we find valuable in this season of life. So that's where we're at. And I wanted to end this episode with just a quick something I'm simplifying and something I'm loving. Like I said at the beginning of the episode, just for fun, I like to answer these questions everyone once in a while since I always ask them in my guest episodes. So something I'm simplifying right now is the fact that we have kind of gotten to this point, finally. It's taken us a little over a month where we have moved into our home fully. For a while there, we were only living in a couple of rooms while we were waiting for some flooring in the other rooms. But now that we've fully moved in, or at least like 90% of the way, we still have about half of our possessions that are being stored in the basement. And some of those things are storage, but not much of them. Probably like a fourth of them is actual storage. And the other things are just things that we have not felt the need to bring up. So half of our things are still down there. When I tell you it is so easy to clean this house because only half of our stuff is up here in this living area, we already have decluttered, we already had minimized, and now we only have half of our things that we are actually using and living with. So it is pretty minimal and it feels really great. Now we don't have perfect systems, not everything has a home yet um, or a system of where it's supposed to be when we clean it up. So we do have some disheveled spaces, but it still feels really easy and really minimal and it feels lovely. There's just not much clutter. So I know that probably half of the half of those things, like a quarter of our possessions probably need to be decluttered. Um, some of it, like I said, is storage and some of it we will use, but I'm just feeling more and more encouraged even to be even more minimal than we were because it feels great to have less stuff as it always does. And then something I'm loving, it's so simple, but I really am loving my morning coffee. I feel like I've gotten it down to a science of what I love. Back when Juna was four or five months old, I had to go dairy-free, and I used to love my coffee with just half and half and a little bit of stevia. First of all, I decided I hated stevia while I was pregnant with her, so I have not been able to get back to that anyways. But then I had to get rid of the half and half, and I've always had half and half in my coffee, so it was really hard. But I have found that if I put a little bit of like extra creamy or barista-style oat milk plus a little bit of oat milk creamer. There's like a couple different kinds that I rotate through because I don't know why, but my favorite one is 
always so hard to find and probably because everyone else loves it. It is the Silk Oat Milk Creamer and it's called the Oatmeal Cookie One. I If you find it, just send it to me. Don't use it for yourself. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> you should try it if you like oat milk or if you're looking for like a non-dairy creamer of some sort. So that's my favorite. I also sometimes use the Planet Oat Coffee Cake one. And again, this is not like a health discussion or a health recommendation because those are coffee creamers. Like they have sugar in them. They have probably ingredients that aren't great for you. This is just my morning coffee. Let me be. Um, I don't put a lot in. I put like the tiniest bit of the flavored creamer in and then a lot more of whatever extra creamy barista style oat milk that I kind of water that sweet flavor down with because I do not like my coffee super sweet. But then I put the coffee in and then I finish it off with unflavored collagen, which is just like my favorite morning self-care thing. If you are like a real health guru, you're probably thinking like, oh, well, just so you know, the oat milk's not healthy, so you're probably negating anything. No, we're not going to go there, okay? We're going to enjoy our lives, (laughs) and I enjoy, this is how I enjoy my coffee, so let me be, but I really do love to add the collagen, which I've, I've been adding collagen to my coffee for years. It's just been a little ritual. And there are times when I have run out of it and I've just like gone off of it for a few months. And I just feel like it makes my skin better. It makes my hair fall out less. Like I have not had much postpartum hair loss this time, um, whenever I'm taking it daily. So right now and ever since the end of last year I've been taking First Forms unflavored collagen and it has been my favorite one it just dissolves really well I don't have to me it doesn't have any taste at all to it when it's added to my coffee and I just like that to be very high quality collagen so I'm a big fan of it I love First Form's products I originally discovered and started trying First Form because I was looking for a vegan protein that didn't taste disgusting once I had to go dairy-free, and their vegan protein is also really good. I like the French toast flavor, so now I get to work with them. I love them, so if you do want to check out First Form, I have my link in the show notes. Ever since we moved, I also get my coffee from a local coffee shop, which I love as well. I've talked about coffee for way too long now, so I'm going to stop, but it's just it's one of my things, my daily things that I just really love. So that is all I have for today's episode. I would love to know something that you're simplifying or something that you're loving. I think it would be really fun if I could hear from you. I, I'm not on Instagram as much or I'm not as active on there as much. So I feel like I have heard less from listeners of the show because of that. If you want to find me on there and let me know, just like, hey, listen to this week's episode. Here's something I'm simplifying or here's something I'm loving. You should try it, that kind of thing. Go ahead and find me at Desiree.Injuries on Instagram because I would love to hear from you all and talk to you all. And if you have a question for my next Q&A, which will be in the third quarter, so a few months from now, just send it my way anytime in the next few months, whether it's on Instagram or via email so that I can add it to my list. This episode has been a little different. It's definitely been like a more personal episode, but if you enjoyed it, if you enjoy Minimalish in general, I would really love if you would share it. You could text it to a friend. You could share it on Instagram or wherever you like to share things. As I say every single week, that just helps new ears get on the podcast. And I 
love this space and I love sharing this space with you. So I love inviting others in and I am grateful for you for doing that as well. Thank you for being here and listening in and I will talk to you right back here again on the next episode. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.